Hey, I'm excited to jump in and dive into God's Word with you guys. Uh, we have been going through a series called Missional Mindset, and uh, it's kind of nice because if you come here on Sunday mornings, we've been running a little bit in tandem with the series that we just kicked off called Go, uh, and we're talking a little bit about what it looks like to go to be a part of our communities, and so I hope you guys see some of that overlap that we have there. Uh, but we are... We've had three weeks of the series. This is our fourth week. Uh, the first week I was here, we had to talk a little bit about what evangelism was and define some terms and be able to get you guys to understand where we're coming from. Week two, I talked a little bit about what it looks like to actually have a missional mindset. And uh, last week, I was not here, and I had to miss seeing Isaac Dolan uh, come and teach. And he does a great job, and he talked uh, about discipleship and wh what role that plays in evangelism. And uh, today, before we jump into ours, I have to see, just kind of, I want to hear from you guys. Um, are there ever topics of conversation that you guys avoid, like when you go see family or something like that? Like, is that, is that just me, or is that, uh, do other people avoid, like, certain things, you know? Like, politics, you know? I do my best not to talk about politics when I get around my grandpa. I hope my grandpa doesn't listen to this. Um, or like for some people, it's like religion or social issues. Um, the other one that really gets some of my family members is tattoos. If you grew up in like a really heavily church background, there's some people that really don't like tattoos. So that one pops up a lot. Um, and the, is, So am I alone in that or is there, are there other people with me in that? Okay, there's a few of you guys. All right, good. I, was, I got worried for a second. Um, I thought maybe I have the weird family. But uh, today's topic is kind of like that. This is one of those topics that uh, I, when, when I bring it up or when people bring it up, it, people get really emotional or concerned or nervous or frustrated about this, this topic. Um, and it's one of those ones that I really do hold to and I really do agree with, but I avoid bringing it up because I think it just stirs up problems and dissension a lot. And so the question that we're going to tackle today is, doesn't God already know who will be saved? So when we think about missional mindset, we ask the question of, doesn't God already, doesn't he already know who's going to be saved? Why do we have to go out and share? And uh, a lot of times this pops up in some circles and some different backgrounds. Some of you guys are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And that's okay. And some of you guys have know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, and so when you guys hear this, some of you guys think of like things like predestination. That word probably pops up or uh, maybe that controversial phrase. And uh, it's hard for me to talk about this because I am uh, particularly... Uh, invested in this background. And so uh, if, if you guys have heard us talk about on what we do sometimes here uh, is we have our staff team has a bunch of magnets and we walk our magnet from one end of the building to the next. And what we do during that time is we take that magnet and we walk and we pray for a specific person on our staff team as we walk to the other end of the building. And we do that every day. Um, and so they're like, well, you can, let's get creative with our magnets or something like that. And uh, so some people like put things that they're like passionate about on there, like sports or like uh, fishing. Some people put their like spouse on there or their kids. And uh, on mine, I put Martin Luther. So uh, I don't know if it, does anybody in here know who Martin Luther is? Okay. Uh, I'm glad Sydney's not in here right now. My wife's not in here, so that would be awkward, right? <laughs> uh, so if you know what that means, you know where this is probably going. If you don't know what that means. That's okay. So um, the question that we're covering today is, doesn't God already know who will be saved? 
When we're wrestling with this topic and with this question, uh, we ask, this often comes up and says, so do we actually have to evangelize? What's the purpose of it? If this is true, why are we going out and why are we going out to tell other people about Jesus? If God already knows, isn't this purposeless? And that's what I want to tackle and discuss today. And I want us to figure out what the answer to this question could be. But first, we have to ask, well, does God actually know? Does God actually know who is going to be saved? Uh, and some of you guys may not be totally sold on this, and that's okay. Um, we don't, as Redemption Chapel, we don't necessarily hold to a specific view, though I will say like all of our pastors do agree on this, but it's not that you, if you don't hold to what we view, then you guys aren't allowed to be here. You're very much so allowed to be here. We would love the fact that you're here. But I want to look at Scripture, and I want to see what Scripture has to say about this topic of whether or not God knows. And I think one of the most compelling examples of this comes from Romans 8. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he also called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And so there's two big concepts that come out of this. The idea of foreknowledge and the idea of predestination. All right. Foreknowledge is the idea of God foreknowing what is going to happen, who's going to be coming to faith, who will have faith in him. Whereas predestination is the idea that God is choosing those who will receive faith. Who, is go- who are the people that are going to ha- have faith? Who are the people that are going to be saved? If you didn't know what this topic was, what we were talking about, and you do now, that is a little bit of a... It can be a hard pill to swallow. And so what this passage then is proposing, from, what, from as I read it, this is, how, this is what I'm seeing, is that God is predestining certain people that are going to be saved, and he foreknows those that, are, that he has given life to, that there's knowledge in those people. But there is more to this, though. God doesn't just predestine like willy-nilly. It's not like, this week I'm going to pick this person, this person, this person. Next week I'll pick that person. Uh, and then like maybe in a couple weeks I'll pick that person. That's not how God works. Ephesians 1 then goes on to say this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So God has known who these people are going to be that he gave life to. He gave life to them, or gave them that faith before the foundation of the world. Revelation goes on to talk a little bit more about this. And this passage that we're looking at is how these pe- the people of the world are going to be following this great beast. And then who is going to receive life Revelation 13.8 says, And all who dwell on earth will worship it. Talking about the beast. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of, of life of the Lamb who was slain. It goes on after that to talk a little bit about these are the people that are going to actually, that are going to receive life. Those people that were written in that book before the foundation of the world. I'm going to stop there. Because... This could be a whole sermon series in itself. Uh, when I was in school, we talked about this for like eight weeks at one point. So like, these are things that could pop up. But before we have this conversation, I want to make sure that we're on the same page of where I'm coming from. But at the very least, we do see the biblical evidence that there are individuals that are foreknown about who are going to receive life. 
Whether you believe in maybe that next step, I leave that up to you, and I don't think it's as important as some people make it up to be. But we can at least agree that and see that foreknowledge is very much so a thing. And so if that is true, why do we go out and just walk up to random people? Why, do we, why don't we know? Why is God just choosing people? So on one hand, you have to ask, why would, God, why would we share the gospel to people if they're already known and chosen? Why would we do that? And I think I hear from this uh, from a lot of people, especially if they start to come into this viewpoint of understanding salvation. If he already knows and somebody's chosen, it seems pointless to share the gospel because they're already part of that list. Why would we do it? I want to propose there's a few different ways that we can look at this as to why we should still do it. And the first reason is because Jesus did it. Jesus did it. This is is a weird excuse when we think about this because if you were here with us our first week, we gave examples of Jesus sharing the gospel of what he was going to do on the cross. He goes out and tells people about his sacrifice that is going to be made. And Jesus was a part of this choosing, or he was at least a part of this foreknowledge, and sure, you could make the excuse, well, maybe Jesus was just going, walking up to the people that he knew were going to receive life. Regardless of whether that's true or not, he still did it. He still went up to those people. He didn't say, oh, oh I, you know, I know who it's going to be, so I'm not going to like, worry about like, walking up to people. They're just gonna, this person will get hit eventually. You know? No, he was faithful in the sense that he was going and telling others about what he was going to do on the cross. Not only did Jesus do it, but we're commissioned to do so. We're commissioned to go out and do this. We have a responsibility. If you were here with us our first week, we talked about the Great Commission. If you don't know what the Great Commission is, it comes from the book of Matthew, and it says, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This was one of the last things that Jesus sent with his people, with his disciples to go and do. And there's not a lot of direct commands or commissions that Jesus has given us. He's given us guidelines, ways to live faithfully and to pursue holiness, but there's not a lot of commands outside of this one. This is something that we are called to do. We are called to go out and be faithful in this way. So why would we do it? If we're commanded to, we're told to do it. I think a lot of people then ask, like, well, I don't understand why I'm doing this. Why would I do this if he's already picked? Why would I do this if he's already chosen? It becomes like a Daniel LaRusso thing with Mr. Miyagi. Karate Kid fans, anybody, or is that just me? Cobra Kai? No? Okay. All right, well, I was going to say, Daniel LaRusso asked to wax on, wax off, and he doesn't understand why until the big fight at the end of the movie. But when we go out and do it, we may not understand what we're doing or who we're talking to or what that process looks like behind the scenes, but God is doing it. God is working in their hearts. So if they're supposed to receive life or not, that's not up to us. What's well, up to us is to follow this commission to go out and to tell others. So Jesus did it. We were commissioned to do it. And then there's also a degree of human responsibility. 
I largely pull a lot of this from uh, J.I. Packer's book. It's called Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. If you want to uh, see this, I'll have it here once you guys are done with small groups. And it largely covers this topic as a whole. So if this is something you have more questions about coming out of this, that book's just a little over 100 pages. It's a great resource. Uh, and what he talks about, though, is he is addressing the fact that we have a responsibility to go tell people about Jesus. We have a responsibility to go out and have this understanding that there is a verbal command to go out and tell others about what Christ has done. That verbal declaration is needed. Packer goes on to say this, his words addresses each of us individually, and each of us is responsible for the way in which he responds, for his attention or inattention, his belief or unbelief, his obedience or disobedience. Regardless of whether that you or the person you're talking about, they're going to receive faith or not, there is still a personal responsibility to actually verbally hear the gospel and to come to faith. The flip side of that coin is then to go on to say, well, if they don't have a responsibility to actually come to faith, to bear this weight of understanding what the gospel is, we also have to think about what the other side of that coin is, and that's sin. If we don't understand the weight of sin and understand the weight of what it looks like to need somebody better, to actually have somebody that gave their life for us, then we can't understand truly what that weight of actually declaring and understanding the truth of the gospel. There has to be a verbal declaration because we are responsible for the choice and the decision that we make, and that bestowing and that blessing of faith is something that's given to us from God. If you get mad at somebody... You're responsible for the way that you respond to them, right? You're also responsible for the forgiveness that you show them later. But regardless, you're still responsible. You have, there's a responsibility that comes with this. Packer also says this, I found it helpful. Evangelism is the inalienable responsibility of every Christian community and every Christian person. Not only is it our responsibility to actually go and say, this is what the gospel is, and we're not, it's not only our responsibility to have that declaration, to have that proclamation, but we are supposed to go and do it because he's told us we have a responsibility to bear, a job to do. And so the question that we asked was, why would we still share the gospel with people if people are already known and chosen? But on the other hand, you have to ask, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we do it? There's a few things that I understand from this, that, but... There's a difference between being a small child and being an adult. When you're a small child, you do the work that is commanded of you, like we just talked about, but you pout about it, and you say, I don't want to do this, but I'm doing it anyway because my mom or dad told me. But an adult goes out and does this job without necessarily even needing to be asked because there's a purpose and a reason behind doing it. And I think we need to grow up a little bit and say, I need to be an adult. There are a few reasons why, why wouldn't we just go out and share the gospel? The first one is that we have confidence in the gospel. If this is true, then we could say that we don't have to worry about, that, well, everybody I talk to, nobody's actually going to like come to faith. There's people out there. There are chosen people out there that are going to come to faith. That God has bestowed this opportunity for them of faith so that they can hear it and receive it and receive life. It's not like taking your fishing line and casting it into a lake that has nothing in it. There's fish in there. It might take a while for them to bite, but there's fish in there. That we can be confident that the gospel works. We can be confident 
that there are people that are coming to faith. And look at your own heart. If you're sitting in this room, you know that you don't deserve the life you received, but you have it. And there are other people out there, and that how bad and how unfortunate it would have been if somebody didn't cast their line out for you to be able for, for you to hear the gospel. John Piper calls it a treasure hunt. It's my favorite illustration of this. It's like a treasure hunt. That if we know that there's treasure out there, we're going to go look for the treasure. If you know that there's treasure out there, you say, that's sweet, there's treasure out there. I'm going to go sit on my couch now. You're not going on a treasure hunt. You're missing an opportunity for treasure. If you know there's treasure out there, you're going to go after it. If you know that there's people out there that need to hear that verbal declaration that are part of this chosen group, why would we not go out? There's treasure out there. Not only do we have confidence in the gospel, but it's a privilege that we even get to be a part of what God is doing in his creation. This This is an interesting part about human participation. It's not even about human responsibility, but it's about participation. Packer says, the God who sent him and is pleased to work with him can do without him. God does not need us. God God does not need us to do any saving. God does not need us to actually change anybody's heart. He does not need us for anything because he is insufficient of himself but we get the privilege of actually getting to be a part of this calling for those that are out there. We get a privilege to be able to say, I know the life that I've received and I want to tell you about it. That's an amazing thing. Remember, if we truly understand the weight of what we've been saved from, then we should be excited just to be able to be a part of this. We we don't do any heart change. We don't do any of that fixing our only responsibility is to go and tell others to plant that seed, to go fishing, to find that treasure. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. That's a participation that we get to be a part of. And it's a small part of the saving work of Christ. But this last point, I think is the one that I am most passionate about, is that we should love God so much that it doesn't matter whether he knows or not. We do it because he told us to. Some people don't want to adhere to the understanding of predestination, while others make the excuse that because they do, they're not going to go out and share the gospel. Like I said in the beginning, there's some things that are hard to bring up. I don't necessarily like to bring this one up because in the grand scheme, when we talk about this, it doesn't really matter. It does, I, mean, I like to say that there are like three levels of Christian like issues that we talk about. And the first level is of top priority. That's the gospel. The gospel is most important. That's the thing I, always, I never want to mess up. I always want to be as correct as I can. Second level, there's like theological issues. And the third level is what color do we make the church carpet kind of thing. You know? second, this fits heavily into that second level. If you don't adhere to this understanding, this belief, that's okay. If you don't adhere to this understanding, that's okay. If you do, that's okay. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. This stuff is important, but ultimately it doesn't make a difference for what we do. 1 John 5, 
For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. I don't really care whether this is true or not because God has loved me so well that I'm just going to go out and do it. I should want to go out and do it. You may read some of these things and they might frustrate you. They might make you mad. You might be getting really mad at what I'm saying from up here. But hear me when I say this. God saved you from eternity without him. He loved you so well that it should not matter whether you believe in this or not. God has told you to do it. He's asked you to do it. So we should go do it. We don't need to be wasting time asking these, these questions because whether God knows or not, our big question tonight is what, whether God actually knows he's going to be saved. Whether he knows or not, it doesn't matter. He told us to do it, so go do it. Don't just hold back. Don't just say, I'm going to sit in these questions and sit in this frustration. If this is your biggest hang-up, I would encourage you to take a step back and say, why is this my biggest hang-up? What's holding me back? Why is this the thing that's keeping me so closed off from wanting to share the gospel with people? God gave his son to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that we could have life. If the, if the biggest way that God is asking us to love him in return is to follow this commission, this command, I'm going to do it. This small thing of just telling people about the life I've received, I'm going to do it. This is, uh, again, this is an important, this is, uh, an important understanding and a thing that we can talk about. I've talked to your small group leaders. I don't want you guys to get hung up on this whole predestination back and forth conversation in your small groups. If you want to talk about it, you can. If you want to talk about it after small group, go for it. But I think the real conversation that should be had is do I, does it feel burdensome to actually go out and share the gospel? Is it actually hard to do this? Why am I hung up on this question? Why is it so hard for me to get past this? These are the things I'd rather you tackle than debating something that people have deba debated for 500 years. And there's still no perfect answer. I want you guys to love God so well that what you're going to do is instead of just asking these big theological questions and just sitting in them, that you're going to actually go out and tell others about what he's done for you. What I'm going to do for us in a minute here is I'm going to pray, and then uh, we're going to go into some small groups to talk about this for a little bit. But if this is something that you guys do struggle with, if this is something that you're fighting, talk with your small group leader about it. Like, I really want you to be able to push and power through, push past this. If this is the reason you're not telling others, I want you guys to figure that out. But I'll pray for you, those people right now and also pray for our time in small groups. So if you'll bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the people that are in this room. Lord, I love theology and I love studying you. It gives me a greater love for you and a greater appreciation for who you are but I don't want to be somebody that's like a Pharisee that gets hung up on these questions and these, these big knowledge things and they hold me back from glorifying you with what you deserve. Help me to have the words to say to others and help me to not get hung up on theological points that you just haven't revealed to us. And if there's people in this room that fight that battle that struggle with this, 
help them to recognize and see that you love them so much, it doesn't really matter what the answer is to this question. Give them the drive and the push to be able to go and tell their friends, family, the people at Starbucks about what you've done for them. And let them do this treasure hunt as they go look for those people that, that will receive life. Lord, ultimately, I, I'm up here and I appreciate the fact that you give me the opportunity to, pre- to preach from your word, to speak to these people. And ultimately, it's because of your son and his work on the cross. In your name I pray. Amen.